Hello, and welcome to the Integrative Path Podcast. We are here with Ardell Vio uh, for episode six. Uh, for our listeners, you won't know, but this is our second take. Uh, we had some calamity that happened a couple of weeks ago when we first interviewed Ardell. Uh, if you're interested in hearing all about uh, what it's like and what it was like for us to be parents uh, in that situation, you can check out uh, Heather's Instagram. Um, but today we're going to hopefully say a lot of the same things. You won't know. We will. We feel like this conversation is going to be even better. So if you don't know, my name is Brandon Jacobs. I am your co-host and I am here with Heather Gaisley. As I mentioned, we're here with Ardell Vio of Aromas and Avocados here to talk all about intuitive eating. Uh, we're very excited. I'm going to let Heather talk about her excitement, uh, which has been building up for an extra couple of weeks now. <laughs> yes, I am very excited to have Ardell here. We've had Ardell as part of Park Integrative Health for three years. Just about three Just years. Just about three years, which is absolutely incredible. She was one of our first allied health providers that we knew we needed to bring on board. And a lot of that was to do with the approach that she takes in the nutrition world. So today's conversation will be all about intuitive eating, but also a little bit about diet culture and stepping away from diet culture. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know. I actually had, what I am most excited about with Ardell, she works right alongside Laura Harris, who is a registered dietitian. We feel super fortunate that we have people with seemingly, or it's almost like they're pitted against each other, RDs and CHNCs, and here they're not, but when we first opened up, we had a person in each role that just didn't get along, and I very early in Park Integrative Health's inception let them go, and Ardell and I are fortunate that we have a we have a mutual friend that I just reached out to and said, hey, do you have anyone in mind? And she said, yeah, call Ardell, and it just kind of went from there. Although I did have another person I was interviewing that was one of Ardell's students. And Ardell was talking about in her class, because she teaches at the School of Natural Nutrition, that she was taking another job. And one of her students was like, oh, that means I didn't get it. <laughs> so, and that was almost three years ago. And so we are excited to have Ardell here and on the team. And I think the first question we really want to know is what... The big shift for you was from not necessarily the designation of certified holistic nutritional consultant, but why you have decided to move out of that realm and more into intuitive eating. Yeah, so first off, thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to talk to uh, your community. Um, okay, so I feel like the big reason or why I am in the intuitive eating space is has so much to do with my own personal health journey. And I mean, that's really the big decision that I made going into uh, nutrition to begin with. So I'll just give you a little bit of my background because that paints the picture the best. Um, so I was actually, I mean, I, from a very young age, was very fascinated by food. And I think that had a lot to do with the fact that I had like this baseline emotion of worry, which led to wanting to control everything, which then led to perfectionism. And food was a perfect way to express that. I controlled everything I was eating. And so, I don't know, at the age of probably 12 or 13, I had started uh, different fad diets. And unfortunately, that wasn't from the best place. I didn't know that then. And that led to my decision of going and I actually had an opportunity to work for a weight loss center. And I worked there for almost eight years. But the time that I had worked there, I realized that so many of my clients were chasing something that they thought that they could attain through weight loss, 
which is ultimately like the feeling of happiness, joy, and really acceptance. And seeing so many of my clients struggle and perhaps they lost the weight, but it was so temporary, the joy that they felt, it really um, started to impact me. And so I thought, I was like, well, maybe what I need to do is to learn more about the body, learn more about nutrition, which is why I decided to enroll in um, holistic nutrition. I graduated in 2012 or 2013 and started my own practice. But really what I did at that point is I replaced my obsession around weight with my obsession around health and chasing health and compromising my own mental health to achieve the perfect status of health. And while I thoroughly enjoy working with my clients and many of them, we let go of fixating on the weight loss goal, but you know, starting to work with digestive issues, things like that, but it was still, it felt like a lot of what I was doing was very surface level. And it wasn't until I actually came across um, intuitive eating for myself that it was like, wait, this is, this is the approach that feels the most natural to me. In fact, I actually remember reading intuitive eating when I was in school, but at the time it didn't resonate with me at all because, well, it was kind of almost, not completely, it's not like intuitive eating is anti-nutrition, but a lot of the principles were going against or contradicting with what I had just learned. So I put it on the back burner and then it wasn't until a couple of years later where I was really struggling internally with my relationship with food and my body that I came back to it. And since then, like working with a coach myself, I've really started to feel the difference of not putting food at such a high pedestal. Like I know that nutrition plays a role in our, our healing, but it didn't need to play such a large role where it was like really affecting my mental health. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where it just evolved. It was really my personal journey that made me realize this is what I want to do with my clients. And that makes and that makes sense to me. I know that personal journey and personal experience is always uh, some of the best education, and I think that's what makes your program your program here so special. And the way that you've moved into uh, the fact that it's not all about nutrition. And I know that when we try and educate people, because the biggest question, of course, that we get around our nutrition team is like, what's the difference between an RD and a CHNC? Mm-hmm. And regardless of how we try to explain it, what I feel it always comes down to is not that you focus less on food, but you inherently do. You look at the entire lifestyle and where Laura does as well and RDs do, you sometimes almost take nutrition out of the picture and mm-hmm. focus more on the relationship on food or you know, already have some thoughts that this is going to be a good referral for perhaps mental health because we're going to go only so far because it is very clear that you have, have quote unquote, you know, uh, a relationship with food that we, that we need to get a hold of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that's, that is a big, a big question. Like what is the difference between RDs and my certification? And I think like what you were saying is that it's interesting because when people see that I am a holistic nutritional consultant or that they see that I'm an intuitive eating coach, they expect me to talk about food right off the start. Mm-hmm. And that's really not the case. And I guess just for your listeners, for those that don't maybe fully understand what intuitive eating is, um, I'll explain that first. But it's really about the process of um, getting rid of the external cues that tell us when and what to eat and learning to listen to yourself. And so there's 10 principles and um, 
I mean, it really depends on the individual as to where they're going to start. And that's another thing that I do is that I really tailor my approach to the individual. And so we will, you know, help the client honor their hunger, feel their fullness, find satisfaction in food again, because I think that that's a big, big piece that's missing in our, in our nutrition or like the education around nutrition is that it's become so fixated on, is this good for me versus do I enjoy it? And so we have a fundamental right to enjoy the food that we are eating. Um, we also work on the emotional uh, side of things and coping with your emotions without using food. And we talk about how we can take the intuitive eating approach and apply it to other areas of your life too with movement and you know self-care and doing the things that you enjoy versus are you doing it just because someone told you to do it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's my favorite part of working with my clients is teaching them to become the expert of themselves. And I'm merely the guide. I'm not telling them what to eat. I'm helping them figure it out on their own so that they can feel like the expert. And when you have that trust and that inner knowing, it's so empowering and it really does evolve into other areas of your life. I really love how you talk about, um, as an intuitive eating coach, that you're a guide. And that fits very well with the integrative health model because we talk about an integrative health and if you haven't listened to episode one, you can jump over there and listen to episode one, which explains integrative health. but. Integrative health is about looking at your providers, your allied health providers, your physician, anyone who's on your care team as a partner with you in your health journey. Mm -hmm. So rather than them being um, the omnipotent or the all-knowing person, they're someone that is there much like an accountability partner. Yes. And sure, they might have extensive or likely have extensive training or extensive education, but no one knows your body and your journey and your experience better than you. Exactly. So I, I really like that. And I will share that between the first recording of this and <laughs> now, I actually got to have a consult with Ardell. And to say it blew my mind would be an understatement. Oh. <laughs> I was so sure that we would start the conversation with typically filling out an intake form and that it would involve, you know, what is my relationship with food look like, but also like, what do I eat? Right. And we didn't start <laughs> with that. Ardell messaged me a couple days ahead and said that she was uh, in the process of redoing her, her intake forms for Park Integrative Health, but also that she's excited to be debuting a program at Park Integrative Health in the near future. And so she said, I'd like you to head over to my Instagram handle, Aromas and Avocados, and click on the link tree and, and follow up with this assessment I have on there that is about what type of eater you are. <laughs> and I was like, you don't want to know what I eat on yeah. a daily? And I did do it. And I'm going to leave that cliffhanger there for all of you that are listening so that you go and you click on it. And it was really eye-opening. Yeah. And it, it, it was very surprising and insightful conversation that followed after that and for me I was surprised mostly about the the distance from from what is going in my body and and more the closeness or the relationship to how I'm feeling about what I'm eating how I'm thinking about what I'm eating yes. and and listening to that so if you could tell our community our clients our, our potential clients could you just tell them like maybe two, maybe three of the most important principles of intuitive eating so that they can really start to conceptualize this model? Okay. 
So there's 10, um, there's 10 principles, and I mean, if people really want a great resource to start, they can actually um, read the book, Intuitive Eating, um, by Evelyn Tribbley and Elise Rush, which is a great resource. But it's hard to identify which ones would be the most important, but the one that I like to start with my clients the most is rejecting the diet mentality. And the reason for this is because um, intuitive eating, we're so used to having rules. We're so used to being told what to do. It feels very comfortable, feels very safe. So when someone comes in and says, hey, you actually don't have to follow external resources. You can really like listen to your inner knowing. I mean, that takes time to develop that trust, but it's very easy to turn intuitive eating into another diet. And so that's where we spend the majority of the time is rejecting all of those rules that you held onto. So really first bringing awareness to the things that you are currently doing that may actually be residing from maybe something that you read at one point. Maybe it was, you know, your parents or your caretaker's influence. So really starting to bring compassion to the equation. It's easier said than done, but when we remove the judgment, we can come into a place of curiosity and compassion. And so when we start to bring up like, oh, wow, I'm doing this, it's not about I need to fix myself. It's about, okay, awareness is the first piece, and I now have tools to help me move through this, and I don't have to stay stuck in that yo-yo diet cycle. So I would say that's probably the first place. And if they want, they can also um, let them to my, my link tree on my Instagram. I do have a workshop that um, goes all into the myths around diet and um, the health industry. So that's a great place to start as well. So yeah, so that, and then the next one is to really feel your hunger. And this can also be really scary, especially if you have been used to dieting. It's, we almost feel shame if we are hungry. And it's wild. When somebody told this to me, I was like, it was such an aha moment that we think in our society it is totally appropriate to control our hunger cues by, oh, if I'm, if I'm hungry, like, let's just push past this. Let's just push past this and creating window times of when we are eating. That would be equivalent to me telling you, hey, um, you're actually now gonna only pee from this time to this time, and anytime you feel the urge to go to the bathroom, I just want you to ignore it. Like, that is a natural biological cue that your body needs nutrition, it needs nourishment, and we should listen to it. So I think just getting kind of familiar of what hunger feels like in your body and any thoughts that come up when you are feeling hungry, write them down. They may be good thoughts, they may be bad, like bad thoughts, whatever it is, just write it down and really like hold space for, for whatever you are feeling and just bring, again, compassion to the equation. Mm -hmm. I really like to know, can you give us an example? Uh, the first principle was rejecting diet culture, diet yeah. mentality. So, um, and you talked specifically about food rules and a lot of us, especially in the allied health provider world, depending on your training, have been exposed to those types of food rules, but it comes through in mainstream media as well. So what is one example of a food rule that you that a lot of your clients come to you with and you have to work to break down that food rule? Okay, so one that always comes to mind first is not eating before bedtime. Hmm. So that's a big one because we think that it's going to really impact our sleep, which yes, I mean, if we are eating a really large meal before we go to bed, perhaps we weren't actually hungry. Um, yes, that can impact the quality of sleep because then our body is worried about digesting. But 
if you are genuinely hungry before bed, eat, right? Like, it's just, it's, you would actually have a worse sleep going to bed hungry. Like, you guys, I'm sure, we've all done that, right? Yes. Yeah, and so that is a big one. And another one that it actually took me a really, it wasn't even me that discovered it, it was my partner, where he was like, why do you always wait to eat um, before you work out? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you like you have this mentality that you have to work out or exercise or move your body in an empty stomach. And I was like, huh, you're so right. And that was because I had worked with a personal trainer in the past right? and suggested that that was the best for the outcome of the exercise, but that's not the best for the outcome of my body. That's right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's those little things. And yeah. then there's obviously the nutrition part. Now being a holistic nutritional consultant, I had a plethora of rules that I had to really get through. Yeah. And um, it's really like when it came to certain ingredients or certain foods that I was using, and I was like, why am I manipulating every recipe to be this way? And it was coming from more of this expectation that every morsel of food, every plate that I ate had to be the most nutritious. Right. But I didn't necessarily enjoy it. So those are the little things that I had to work on. Yeah, again, that perfectionism theme and breaking that down coming through. That's so interesting that you bring up um, working out on an empty stomach or not going to bed um, with food in your stomach as like a rule that you break down because Brandon and I are totally opposite. He feels the best we had. We had ribs a few days ago and he had it before he went for a run and how did you feel? Terrible. And Awful. <laughs> I even did a poll on Instagram last like, do you like to run on an empty stomach or a full stomach? And it was split, but like for me it is not on a full stomach and Heather is the exact opposite. Oh yeah, for me like if I want to have like this robust, wonderful, feel good in my body workout, like yeah. I need to eat before. I need yeah. to have a snack because otherwise ten minutes into my workout I'm like, I'm hungry. This is over. And yeah. same with bedtime. Brandon can have dinner and maybe a snack and be fine. And me, I'm like, it's bedtime. I need a bedtime snack. Like a baby. (laughs) Like a baby. So that's so interesting that there's not a one-size-fits-all approach. And I also really like that you talked about the personal trainer who... I'll acknowledge like people that we go to for help and support in our health journey, they're working from their their teacher's information yes. and the model that they have. And that doesn't demonize that model. That's what they've been taught. That's yeah. the that's what they're working from. And at the time, like that was the most appropriate. But learning that even what other people give to us as advice, support, information, like it might not work for our body, mm-hmm. which right. is phenomenal. Yeah. What I appreciate so much about this conversation is the idea of awareness. You said it a little while ago and I was trying not to get stuck in my head thinking about like, remember awareness, remember awareness, <laughs> except it lends to almost the entire model of integrative health. Just like yeah. intuitive eating is a model, the yin training that we lead is from a model from one of our teachers. And I feel like you said you're not really telling people what to see, you're showing them where to look. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? I need to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> you can listen to it in the yeah. podcast. So you're not saying you need to see this. You're trying to show them, like, have you considered looking here? Yeah. Just like when we teach our yin training, it's like, have you considered that maybe that pose isn't good for your body? Have You know, much yeah. like at Park Integrative Health, have you ever considered that maybe for stress reduction, acupuncture and massage for you are better than medication. Just as like one very broad example. So it's giving people the awareness because for our listeners who are listening now, they're like, oh, Mm. well, shit. (laughs) 
<laughs> now this is in my awareness. Now yeah. I have to consider why do I do that? Why, mm-hmm. why do I refuse myself food before bedtime? Why do I decide my food rule is don't eat after six? Why do I decide that I have to do X, Y, Z? And so for anyone who's listening, it is in their awareness now. And so even if the change doesn't happen now, like it's, it's all seed planting because yeah. like it's there and you can't ever, in my opinion, move forward with like having that little thought in your head of like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Why am I choosing to do this? Yeah, that's exactly, um, so one of the techniques that my mentor taught me is a cognitive behavioral therapy approach to really reframing how we, um, implement like new habits because what I used to do and I think what diet culture or diet industry really fixates on and unfortunately a lot of what the wellness industry does as well is it's very much around just changing the actions changing the habits but that's where we will lose like quote unquote willpower quite quickly is because that's really not getting to the root of it we have to actually work on the belief system and that that lead to the thoughts and the thoughts lead to the emotions and that leads to the actions and so I'm working with my clients like you said Brandon like really questioning helping them question like where is this really coming from because we have so much information exposed to us it's really really easy for us to feel like everything we are doing is factual and that we must do it because we read something and we probably read that three or four like way more times so then we're like well I have to do it but that's the thing like with intuitive eating is you're changing your lens you're changing your perspective and that's also why we really don't talk about specifically like nutrition until one of the last principles because if we don't change that lens first anything that I tell you or um, educate you on you will feel like it's a rule And so we have to change it. We have to get you comfortable with trusting your inner knowing. And then you can come to, okay, well, teach me a little bit about food and nutrition. And you can, you can use discernment. You can know what's, what's good for you and what's not good for you. Mm -hmm. So when you have a client that comes in and they might have some, let's say chronic health conditions, and they're perhaps very attached to that chronic health condition. And they've, they've been told like, this is the way that you need to do this moving forward. How do you how do you bring this approach to them, knowing that they might be stepping into wanting that plan? Like they want you to step in as the provider and say, like, here's your meal plan. Here's mm-hmm. what you're going to eat for the next forever until you aren't alive anymore. How do you how do yeah. you do that? So it is tricky. I think I really try to do it like case by case because for some people, if they do need to follow something. I might temporarily have to give them that support while simultaneously educating them Mm -hmm. on diet culture and all of these other influences that drive our behavior. But when it comes to chronic conditions, I think it really stems from um, our human brains. We often, we have resistance when we are told to do something. And anytime we are told to do something, we don't want to do it, which is what leads to this like restriction and binging cycle. And so if we can help the individual um, kind of shift their shift the relationship with them with their body and come from a place of acceptance and acceptance doesn't necessarily mean love, but acceptance meaning like this is your here and now body. This is your diagnosis. First of all, let's remove the shame and the guilt that you may feel towards that diagnosis. And then from there, it's much easier for them to take the suggestions. Or if let's say, let's say someone that has a digestive issue that has to cut out specific food. 
if they are kind of working on the mindset behind it, then they can make those empowered decisions of, okay, this this particular food isn't best for my body and I know that. And so they can honor those decisions versus feeling so much resentment towards their diagnosis that every step they take afterwards is also met with a lot of resistance. Right, which could potentially cause other health issues moving forward. Absolutely. How yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Um, I wanted to jump back to, you, you talked about this inner knowing. Mm-hmm. So we all have this inner knowing, which like I, as I mentioned, like I know if I eat a big heavy meal, that's not the best time. Sometimes I do it anyway, and sometimes I think, maybe my body will adjust, or maybe this will be the run yeah. that's really easeful. It hasn't <laughs> happened yet, and I do I do accept that because I've got that awareness. Um, so I want to jump forward to, you have written that the health and diet industry thrives on you believing that you do not have the innate wisdom to know what is good for you. Yeah. That that is what the industry is thriving on, and that we don't have the inner knowing and we don't have the inner wisdom so I'm wondering if you can speak to that okay so I again what you were saying Heather anyone that's in that space I'm not I I don't want to like like judge them they are where they are but when we really break it down it's very profitable it's really profitable to give this message that you don't know what you need to do and therefore you need to pay me And so what I've always kind of explained to my clients, it's like the diet industry is about making sure you feel like you are broken and then they have a program to tell you like this is what you need to do to be fixed. And more often than not, because that entire model is actually broken, you won't be able to do it. And so then you feel like you're the failure. And we have this innate wisdom inside of us that we were born with, but somewhere along the way, it's been disrupted. And again, not to not against our parents or our caretakers, they were exposed to the same information that we're exposed to. But um, I think we talked about this the last time, the analogy of a baby or an infant, that when they are being fed, and whenever they are full, they turn their head away. That's them knowing like, this is my hunger and my fullness cue. Mm-hmm. They cry when they're hungry and they turn their head away when they are full. Yeah. But then somewhere along the way, we become so protective over our children and we think they couldn't possibly know how much to eat, what to eat. So we should probably like just, you know, step in. Yes. And so then that inner knowing gets quieter and quieter and quieter. And now because of the overexposure to information, it's, it's getting quieter even earlier on. And it's, I mean, we have so many messages coming at us. Yes. That's so interesting. I remember talking about this in the first recording. The first episode. The first first episode (laughs) six. About even watching Madeline, who's well integrated into solids now. And we had a few of those moments when we looked at a program of, of how, to, how to feed her, how to help her eat in a different way, and it was, it was very rich in terms of the nutrition focus. So she needs this much for her micronutrients per day, this much for her macronutrients per day, and you get into that and you already get into hot water in terms of like the one more bite thing. Mm-hmm. We'll have one more bite, we'll have one more bite. Yeah. And when you play it out between your partner, could you imagine me saying to Brandon, we'll just have one more bite, (laughs) but he's an adult. Yeah. And so you're right in that watching Madeline eat is quite beautiful because when she's hungry, she eats. And when she's not, she does turn her head away. Mm -hmm. And if she comes back in five more minutes or 10 more minutes or 20 more minutes, like why not? Yeah. And why can't that approach be for us too? But I think this is where, 
you spoke about the the overculture, right? And and also the information that we're exposed to related to food, eating, dieting, and that we ultimately have been taught at some point in time that we aren't the agent of our own experience mm-hmm. when in fact we are. Yeah. Yeah. I also like that you mentioned that we're taught that that we're broken or deficient or, you know, we need to be fixed. I mean, mm-hmm. Heather spoke about it in one of the podcasts, the story of Ashtabakar, which is about, which was entitled Bent and Broken, which we didn't have you say, so I could say that. <laughs> it just happens organically, but it's just very interesting because it, it is everywhere. And even as we raise Madeline, like we, as soon as we question something, even like sleep, mm-hmm. her sleep yeah. patterns and sleep habits, every article you read tells you all the things you're doing wrong and then like but i can show you the way by my program by my program yeah yeah here are the 10 things you're doing wrong and failing as a parent failing as an eater yeah here's how you can look like me be like me talk like me walk like me instead of this this authentic version of yourself exactly right yeah that was very interesting too after our consult you had given me information i'm going to send you an email i'm going to give you this information and then i'm going to leave it up to you to see where you go from there and it was almost a little bit like surprising because <laughs> that's not what happens in the health industry. Yeah. What happens in the health health industry is you need to get on this treatment plan. You need to come back at this frequency. Otherwise, you're not going to maintain that state of health or reach that state of health. And although I'm not shaming treatment plans because I yeah. do think that they're they are effective when you're working towards a goal. And if they are done with the right intention and the right mindset, which you've already talked about. But it was interesting to like, what do you mean you're not going to tell me when to rebook? Yeah. And oh, (laughs) I really do try to do it by the individual because I do have programs where it is set out. And some people do need more of that accountability Mm -hmm. um, or like a companion through the process of all the ebbs and flows that comes with new habits. But yeah, I think there does, especially when you're so new to it. There is this period of time, um, there's, there's five stages of intuitive eating and the contemplation phase is like the pre-phase where you are expecting, like you, Heather, we're expecting a diet plan, you were expecting all these things and it's like, that's not what I got. And then instead this woman comes in and tells me all these other things. Yeah. You kind of have to sit with it and process it for yes. a bit too. Yes. So yeah, that's, yeah, you have to really honor that phase of, of just um, allowing the information to settle and then taking that next step forward. And another thing that I really changed with my practice is not coming up with the answers for my clients all the time. That was like a really empowering move where before I always felt like I had to tell my clients step by step by step by step. And now I love at the end of our sessions, I can say, okay, what are your action items? And they know, they're like, this is what I think I have to do. Yes, even in the middle of our session, you asked me, well, what do you think about that? And I thought, Oh, <laughs> so it's it's demystifying this idea that you need to have an expert tell you what is and what isn't, yeah. which again brings back the parallel between the intuitive eating approach, that model, and the integrative health approach. Yeah. So I really, really like that. Yeah. Well, people want to get something for their for their service. They want to get something for their money. Well, I mm-hmm. gave you money. Give me a program. Mm-hmm. And you're saying like. Yes, this is a this is a fee for service, but I'm giving you information much like Park Integrative Health as an entity is here is some information. It's yeah. up to you what you want to do with it. Here are all the 
modes and modalities and all the different paths to wellness that you can take and I can't tell you what to do and some people still like vehemently want to know like no tell me tell me what to do mm -hmm. and there is a place for that some people yes. do want to say yeah. put me on a treatment plan just tell me when to come you want me to come every three weeks for five years great book me in yeah but what we're trying to do is give people that awareness that they do have they do have the inner knowing. Yeah. They do know this is inherently good for me, this is inherently bad for me, quote unquote, the good and the bad. If we don't even parallel that, like, this is how this will make me feel. This That's is how right. this choice or this action will make me feel. And this is what I know. Here are the tools and skills that I have to move through that, move into that, or to mm -hmm. say like, that's that's not for me, and to just leave it, you know, yeah. and in case you turn to leave it on the plate, because like, that's not for me. <laughs> yeah, right? that's yeah. funny. Did you plan that one? No, yeah. it just came to, it came to me because I'm very funny, and lots of people don't know that. True. Um, we won't have you tell jokes on no. this podcast. No, not this one. You're really developing that dad humor. Oh, he <laughs> had, had, it had it long well before. before. <laughs> So I think this is the, a really great place to end. Um, we'll put all this information in the show notes. Um, but again, we've been here with Ardell Vio of Aromas and Avocados. You can check her out. Very easy to find on Instagram or on the internet. Um, Heather, do you have anything to close? I just want to thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for re-recording it. I feel like this episode <laughs> was even more genuine, even more informative. And I appreciate your vulnerability mm -hmm. and your story. Thank, oh, you. thank you. Yes, thank, thank you. you. Uh, for all of our listeners, you can look forward to us having a professional intro and outro from our good friend Tyson out in Portland. It is coming soon. I'm putting this in there so he can listen so it gets finished. Um, and we also want to remind you to continue to walk the true and integrative path even when your foot wobbles. <laughs>